Welcome to Room for Growth. A Willow Tree podcast about growth marketing hosted by Billy Lowen and me, Billy Fisher. Whether you're an industry expert or just getting started, there's plenty of room to grow. Share this episode with your favorite coworker, follow us wherever you enjoy podcasts, and reach out if you'd like to join the show. You ready, Billy? I'm ready, Billy. Let's go. Let's f***ing grow. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Room for Growth. Billy, it's spring in Ohio, wherever you are. I think on the East Coast, I saw the weather in New York is great. In California, I talked to somebody in California. They said it's raining, so I'm not going to feel sorry for them. But my, my mood is up because the sun is shining. It's warm outside. You, you feeling me? I feel you, Billy. Every March, I have a dose of gratitude that I no longer live in Montana or anywhere on the West Coast where it will continue to be rainy and cold for months. I'm grateful to live in Virginia where it's like March hits, it's summer. By April, it's fully in summer. Like the trees are bloomed, the flowers are bloomed. You walk outside for that first time when it's 80 degrees and it's just like happiness hits you again. It's a different feel. And so, and and I've I've noticed that when I've been on calls all day, everybody's a little more bright. So yeah, you know, that's one thing. We're both coming off a couple of uh, weeks of travel and conferences that were exciting. And I I wrote a, put out a thing on LinkedIn that is kind of encouraging to me as tiring as some of the trips were. It was also encouraging because people weren't talking about economic headwinds and all those things. We were like talking about work and projects and doing stuff that is actually going to have impact. Certainly it's a unique environment, but there wasn't a lot of that negative sauce out there. So I'm just, I'm feeling uh, really encouraged right now. I'm with you. Like vibes are high. It's summertime. I felt the same thing. People are just happier on calls in the summertime. They're planning trips, talking about different stuff. I'm glad to be out of Q1. I totally agree about the economic headwinds component. I think we have been so stuck in the idea, at least during Q1, that many companies were just really cautious about how they were spending money. They were pulling back spending. They were reevaluating. I'm just seeing lots of projects open up now in Q2. Just really seeing kind of the floodgates open. There's a ton of big digital transformation happening. There are more projects starting, I think, where we are helping clients upgrade their entire technology suite or their entire stack. And they're doing side-by-side migrations and implementations of different tools. Those are such fun projects. And it's really cool to see these big, these big yeah. undertakings starting um, for some of the brands that we love. Yeah. And so with, with that, you know, there's this article that I came across, looks like it was released on April 5th. So I came across the article and I read it and I, it's been kind of sticky and it was on McKinsey's website and was uh, part of some research on that they have a blog that they put out and it really caught my attention because it's like man I wish I, I wish I could have written that and it really maps with what we're seeing with our clients the way that we're building our team the challenges that are out there and and there's a kind of we'll put it in the show notes uh, to to make sure that you can uh, actually access this article a couple of things I wanted to point out and just like tee you up to talk about so at the beginning of the article they put out this study. Uh, marketing organizations are facing capability gaps, limiting efficiency of marketing spend and effectiveness of teams and technology. And this, the whole article is based around this like old marketing approach. You know, you have these marketing departments that were built to do a, a set of things. And then you have all the kind of new ways that we're marketing in a, in a technology environment and the massive gaps in skill sets that a team has. But in this study, it says 81% of companies 
that do not have an integrated marketing technology stack. 81% of companies do not have an integrated marketing technology stack that can deliver personalized experiences across channels. So 81% of companies don't have this thing in place that we keep saying is essential to be a great marketer in 2023. 76% of companies do not successfully operate in sprints or follow a formal agile process. And this this article talks a lot about how that is kind of the new essential way in driving a marketing organization. And 67% of CMOs say that they're overwhelmed by the quantity of marketing data available to them. So before I keep going, I'm going to pause there, just like reactions to that. I think we talk about this all the time, that we feel this pressure, certainly. I think we are really lucky that we work in a technology firm where we have access to, at any given time, hundreds of engineers who can help answer marketing questions should our very technical marketers ever run into a challenge or something they can't solve. And the integration of different sources and destinations of data, how you clean data, how you tag, how you automate and trigger different messages. It really takes product engineers and marketers working together to be at the level of technical sophistication that's just required to take advantage of the types of personalization and automation that are available through platforms. And then in addition, creativity couldn't be more important either. We're at a time and place where, you know, we're talking a lot about AI and AI is going to be an incredible tool. But if you haven't followed any news about chat GPT, I think the headline is chat GPT does a pretty good job of creating some basic content. It's going to be fairly generic. It's not going to be incredible. Tools like Mosaic can make some really great filler images. So we have content writers, we have artists sort of up in arms about what value they really bring to a marketing team. But one of the things we know for sure is that chat GPT can't replace creativity and good cognitive strategy and how you bring that into a marketing campaign. So I see these as almost opposite sides of the coin when it comes to how we've thought about marketing in the past. In the past, you've had technical marketers who work on marketing ops teams. You have creative teams and creative marketers that are usually agency side or advertising, and maybe they're working across all your digital products on how you display brand. And then of course, you have to have data in the mix. So what's the measurement strategy? Who's reporting on this data? Who's pulling insights and recommendations? And it all has to work together end to end from digital all the way through to channel to the in-store experience. It's a lot for a modern marketer to know and know how to lead. And this article goes on to kind of tell a story that points out this isn't just about hiring for new roles. So they, they tell this story of a company hired a really respected data scientist from an inc- iconic brand to come in. And his charter was to build the marketing attribution, micro segmentation capabilities within the company. Well, quickly, he realizes the company's existing team of data scientists don't understand the problems that the brand marketers were even trying to solve. The models that they created were far too granular, identified variables that marketers couldn't actually act against, and goes on to tell the story of how it ultimately he left because it was a failed initiative. And it talked about all of these different flavors that happen. Traditional marketers know that data science can be important, but they don't understand or trust or appreciate how it can help them make better decisions. Performance marketers miss the forest for, through the, for the trees. They are highly versed in data science, but they think that everything can be solved by micro-optimization and disregard the whole idea of brand building. Investments in tools and technologies go underutilized. And so they kind of paint this picture that I think 
has created a, a little bit of, of what we were at the, those two conferences in Vegas, I heard this over and over and over again. This is the, what's trying to be, the, these are the types of things that, that companies are trying to solve right now because it's, it's problematic. Yeah. I don't know that we've ever had a client or a brand that we've worked with who is not at the beginning of a major digital transformation project, meaning they're adopting a huge piece of technology or they're undergoing a major UX change, they're redesigning something, they are relaunching, they are migrating, they are rebuilding. Big, big, big stuff. Yep. Who hasn't said the words to us, and I understand this, I'm extremely empathetic to it, but who hasn't said the words, what are the quick wins that we can have? What's the low-hanging fruit? How can we show ROI in 90 days or something like that? Like We get a flavor of that on almost every big project that we work on. And I totally understand why there has to be these money-making moments, like you have to start to demonstrate value and shorten the distance to value. But at the same time, one of the biggest misses and the best opportunities that I see, especially in large organizations, is just better strategy and better alignment. Like I go back to an Abraham Lincoln quote a lot. And again, (laughs) Abraham Lincoln, I'm not sure what his acumen in digital transformation was, but he said, if you give me six hours to cut down a tree, I'm going to spend the first four sharpening the ax. And I think today I just don't see enough time and effort going in to the strategy and the alignment between teams and the definition of what good and winning really looks like to ultimately like build smart. Yeah, that's a, it, that's interesting. Especially, I wonder if some of that is a result of the last couple of years where the wine was flowing, if you will. There were lots of budgets, but also there was tons of demand, regardless of what industry, whether you were a B2B marketer or a B2C marketer in QSR demands over the past during from 2020 to 2023 uh, you know, late late 2022 were really high where everyone was you know we need we need things faster our consumers are expecting this the um, the expectations were through the roof and so people were just throwing a lot of dollars at just fast and I wonder if that's kind of netted out to where we are now is that yeah that like totally resonates I think something Something Nate said, Nate Wooten, who we had on the podcast last week, said something important. And he's, of course, in charge of innovation and digital strategy for our entire firm. So he works on many of the biggest projects we worked on. But he talked about how like, when the iPhone first came out, it was this feature that wowed people and gave so much delight because the touchscreen on it was completely new and different and fun to use. But now a touchscreen is just an expected experience. I think you are right that during COVID, there was a ton of spending on digital experience, but most of it wasn't the kind of digital experience that surpasses consumer expectations. It was helping companies get to basic table stakes of what consumers expect from brands today and very little else. That's fair. So this article goes on to then kind of, you know, they, they kind of show the stat they uh, tell the story about some of the the challenges and then they offer, they have this model, marketing will not be transformed by strength in one particular capability alone, which I think often we get obsessed with. Like, it's so easy to talk about like, well, you need the right stack or cross channel is, is what it's all about. They say it won't be solved by one of these capabilities alone, even if built across the organization, all six capabilities are essential 
for a really strong multidisciplinary marketing team. So I'll read those really quickly and we can, we can. Yeah. I was going to ask, what do they say are all six of them? Yeah. So it's kind of like a, a design here, a customer centricity. And so we've talked about that, like customer, a couple of our past customer first, you know, you got to obsess over the customer and, and what their needs are. Full funnel marketing. And so campaigns that target brand awareness, consideration and purchase aren't separate and distinct, but collaborative and complementary. So I, I think we will naturally agree with all of these. Yep. An agile operating model, which I think we've been, uh, agile is not a new uh, topic at all, but it's not really something that marketing teams get excited to and talk about. Multi-channel excellence, that's a like a repeated of, like, so amen to that. Mm-hmm. So granular knowledge about expanding uh, the universe of platforms, apps, and channels is a critical part of the planning process. And so thinking a really full cross-channel measurement, duh, that's a, the most obvious one. And then maybe I should have started here, but customer data and marketing technology, the platforms in place are really core to this whole entire experience. And so they kind of put all of these on an equal level playing field, which is a little intimidating because it's a, a lot. But I really was excited about this because when we think about the best people that we've hired, they kind of are able to operate in all of these areas. And it's like this really diverse marketing I don't even know what, how to, we call them a growth marketer a lot of times. I, it's sometimes I've, I've struggled to find the right term to describe them because a generalist feels like an insult. It, it, it's not enough gravitas. But um, yeah, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I think all of those, again, though, I'm, I guess my reaction to that is no duh. Yeah. Is that not no duh. It's not as if like, well, duh, of course, everyone should know this. But it's, again, just this notion of like, that's table stakes. That's not exceptional. That's not above and beyond. In my mind, everything that you just mentioned is the basic must-haves for even good marketing. You can probably cut some corners here and there on some of those. Um, I think most brands today have a stack that's less than ideal and they make their technology work for them. And they continue to iterate on it. So that's one piece where I see that happening a lot. The second is just this notion of having exceptional all-channel experience. Like so many brands today have one or two really good channel marketing programs and are probably lacking in one or two. There are very few brands that are really, really great across the board, especially some of the more modern social channels. But for the most part, I think that's right. I mean, on top of it, I would add two more. And I would say strategic discernment. Like I just see that there are not enough marketers who really understand where should they be spending money, where should they be spending time and where should they be investing. This is particularly true around personalization and what type of content they craft, as well as just an understanding that content is a very expensive investment that has to be great. So I think strategic discernment is one that's hard to infuse in that mix of sort of soft skills, hard skills. And then another is like a merging of digital and physical experiences. I think the gap between those two things is still far too great. Um, And there's not enough people with a sense of knowledge in both. Yeah. Well, you said one earlier. So the person I um, I'd have to dig up on LinkedIn, how I came across this article with somebody um, that, that had posted this and they were pointing out one, a word that you used earlier and criticizing this report that no creative there's like, there's completely left out creative and, and creativity as part of that, which has been a core element to the marketing toolbox since the beginning of time. And so 
yeah, he was posing the question, are we like losing the the focus on on creative? And when we talk about iconic brands, Nike, it comes up like they just crush it when it comes to the the creative area. So, you know, maybe that McKinsey, well, that wasn't part of this, what they were considering. But yeah, I would add that to the list. But it's a lot to expect one person to be able to have all these skill sets. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah. It's... Are we looking for unicorns here is a question that I also kind of walked away and asked. Yeah, I think it's next to impossible. But the other problem, you know, it's a solution to this problem that then creates a problem in and of itself, is that what companies have started to do, and the larger they are, the more they do this, is they silo out slices of that operation to different teams. So what we find very frequently is, say you have a major bank or a major media company or a telecom company, they have a version of this where they'll have yeah. what you call marketing operations, which is generally people who are creating audiences, managing databases, managing CDPs, actually like pulling the segments of audience out of those databases, managing them and sending data upstream, downstream to different agencies or to different channels, whatever it is. Um, they might be cleansing it and scouring it of any you know, PII or, or something like that. But that's generally the space they're in. They're working in the tools, they're picking the tools, and then they're creating the audiences out of them, as well as the reports. They're sort of the hub of information at an airport. And then you have teams, usually siloed, that work in single channels. There are rarely marketing teams today where the TikTok team and the email team work together. That would be a pretty big stretch. Oftentimes, these are even different agencies that certainly don't talk because they're competitive to each other. And then they are siloed very much from product teams usually. And product teams, if you have the same app team and web team, you're pretty far ahead. And then they're very siloed from an insights team who is siloed from a data science team. And all of these teams have different functions and purposes, and they're large and they're slow and they're cumbersome. And they don't know each other and they don't sit together and they don't sit in the same city. That's another way to just see this challenge and basically be like, how do we condense this into as few people as possible? Yeah, it's a lot to think about. And so as I mentioned, you know, we'll put the the article in the show notes and and I would love to kind of hear what else we think they've missed or what, what you think they've missed if um, uh, if someone has a, a thought. So yeah, there's it's a lot to think about. And, you know, we'll we'll certainly post the article in the show notes. Would love to hear from you all. What do you think? What are some other elements of a great marketer that are missing from this report? Maybe if you're part of an organization where you've kind of figured this out, I would I would love to to hear from you guys because you know you don't just make a couple strategic hires. This is really a cultural shift within a marketing uh, team. So would love to hear some positive stories because we've talked about how how challenging it is. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, with that, Billy. You know, we talked about the weather. I'm going to get outside. I'm sick of sitting indoors today. And so I'm going to go. You said summer is here, which I was like, I kind of like, oh, no, not in Ohio. It's still very April. So it could be 78 degrees today and 42 tomorrow. So I'm going to take advantage of this. Hope everybody else can do the same. Yeah, I was just going to tell you my hiring strategy and all my tips for who to hire in this changing Mm. landscape. But you know what, Billy? I'm going to save that. I'm going to never give it away. And instead, I'm going to go enjoy what I call first summer in Virginia, which is approximately the four days that it's hot, but there's no humidity. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. In Ohio, we have full spring, which I think is like what maybe what we're in. We're Mm -hmm. uh, here in a a, a week. It'll probably be terrible again. So listeners, I hope you are having a good spring as well. And we'll see you next week on Room for Growth. 